0: I hope to both inspire and enable you to create sustained change in your own life. Thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy. Happy Tuesday. Happy Memorial Day. I hope everyone had an amazing holiday weekend. Omid and I were off camping with some friends over the weekend and... It was as exhausting as it was fun. So I'm definitely recovering a little bit today. (laughs) I hope you guys got a chance to listen to last week's podcast episodes. The first one released was an episode on why you should consider essential oil-free skincare. That was last Tuesday. And then Friday's episode was a little bit, a solo episode. I was talking a little bit about how a dysregulated nervous system can affect our physiology with things like chronic fatigue, etc. So I talk about that for a couple minutes, but then the majority of the episode is actually a guided tapping or emotional freedom technique meditation, which was so fun, but also so nerve wracking for me to record because I've never recorded something like that. So I hope you get a chance to listen to it. I'll link it in the show notes. I found it really, really soothing. I do want to point out, I hope to do more of these. And of course, I hope that they'll get better and better with time. I know that as I was listening to it, because I listened through it multiple times and honestly kept doing the tapping meditation because last week I found myself really overwhelmed with a lot of emotions. And so it was so helpful for me. But one thing I did notice in this recording was that I need to leave a little bit more time in between so that you as the listener can repeat what it is I'm saying as the prompt. So lesson learned. (laughs) I'm going to get better and better with each one. But I do think it's worth listening to. And if you do, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So on to today's episode. I have been wanting to record an episode on mold for a couple years now, honestly. I think I have had trepidation around it just because it's such a nuanced topic. Similar to the topic of parasites, I knew that I needed to find just the right individuals to have these conversations with to make sure that we're really touching on the most important factors that are so often missed in these conversations and so this interview with chelsea was just amazing i think she did such a phenomenal job of walking us through the different key categories when it comes to detoxing from mold it's always so important to me that we are taking a full body full being approach to health and so i love that We definitely talk about the physiological components, but she also talks a bit about the nervous system and emotional regulation and how that's a big thing for her and her clients. And I love, you'll notice in the beginning, she points out, this is not about inciting fear. It's not about making us afraid to live our lives. It's about empowerment and education and knowledge. And I absolutely love that. Chelsea currently has a waitlist for working with her one-on-one, and in the fall, she will also be launching a new way to work with her that is outside of the one-on-one program. So as always, there's many links in the show notes to some of the products, some of the resources we mentioned, as well as Chelsea's own website, social media channels, etc. Chelsea, welcome to the Accrescent Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really
1: excited to be here and get to chat with you.
0: So for the listener background, we met at one of my favorite places in the whole wide world, Organic Tree. So good.
1: (laughs) I love that place.
0: Here in Data Point. My audience probably knows because they see it on my stories all the time. And that was such a fun little pop-up. Yeah. But give us a little bit of your background, how you got to where you are today, and then also what what
1: your practice encompasses. Sure, so I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner. So in my practice, I help women uncover the root cause of their symptoms so that they can take back their power and heal. So I'm incredibly passionate about educating women on like the what and the why behind the imbalances in their in their body instead of just giving them the how or just handing them a protocol um, and that's just because i really want them to walk away from working together truly feeling empowered with the tools that they really need to better understand their health so that they can, you know, take back their own personal power and become their best healers. So, that's a little bit about what I do, and um, I got into this line of work from my own personal healing journey. So, I have struggled with chronic symptoms my entire life, pretty much, um, from as long as I can remember. Um, about 10 years ago, my world just completely changed when I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which is a type of uh, autoimmune disease. So at that time i was told by doctors that i had this incurable disease that i would need to be on medication for the rest of my life diet lifestyle changes would make like no difference in my symptoms and i was devastated um but i always had this voice inside of me telling me like that that couldn't possibly be true and i was really determined just to find a different way to heal and so that's what really sparked my journey into holistic health i really dove into changing my diet and my lifestyle and i definitely felt a dramatic shift in my symptoms but i still struggled with bouts of just feeling awful every now and then Um, you know looking back over the years i've tried so many protocols (laughs) so many different diets you know for things like SIBO or candida leaky gut um, and i would feel better momentarily And then my symptoms would just come right back. And it was just so frustrating. So I lived that way for several years, just kind of waxing and waning, like in and out of feeling okay to feeling unwell. But I really wanted to find this sense of like vibrant health um, that I've just Mm -hmm. never had really experienced. And so, about two years ago now, I had what I like to call kind of my secondary health crisis. And I started having a ton of symptoms again, ones that I hadn't really experienced before or just hadn't experienced at that level. And I knew that I didn't want to go the route of working with traditional doctors and having these like band aid approaches because those never really worked for me before. And so I felt like this was my calling to really seek out a different approach. So I started working with a nutritional therapy practitioner myself to uncover what was going on at the root of my symptoms and help start to bring my body back into balance so you know looking back on all of that that, that health crisis, I feel like it was really a blessing in disguise because it's finally what opened my eyes to the world of root cause healing and it's it's just completely shifted my entire life um, through this whole journey i found out i was living in mold um, which i know we're going to be talking about today but um just in that experience i really learned so much and i was just like a sponge wanting to soak up as much information as i could i you know learned about drainage pathways and i learned about parasite cleansing and the proper order to really detox the body from mold, metals, lime, toxins, all of these things, and slowly but surely started to restore that balance within and felt that sense of vibrancy that I never had before. And it it stuck, you know, it wasn't just kind of reverting back to how I was feeling. So really that transformational type of healing that I Mm -hmm. always wanted to experience. And I felt so inspired by my own healing and really started connecting with others who were struggling by sharing my story online and That, I think, is what really just lit this passion in me to help others through their health journey. So that's really what inspired me to go back to school and really, like, pursue this as my passion. So
0: Uh, there's so many (laughs) things there. I'll point out two specifically. One, I love that you're saying you work with your clients to educate and and give them a protocol, like a really customized protocol. It's yes. not just, I think you said the the what and the why?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. I love that. I feel like it's that. so important instead of just, I feel like there's a lot of people who, you know, when you're on a health journey, you want to understand what's going on with your health and you want to really get better. But I think so often like we can go seek out doctors or practitioners and we're really just wanting someone to like fix us when, Really, it's about more than that and understanding that like, deep-rooted level of understanding and educating yourself on what is really going on in your body, like why are these imbalances happening, and what are we doing to really bring it back into balance because at the end of the day, that's my ultimate goal is like I want you to move on after working from me and, and know how to you know, deal with these things on your own and be able to, to handle them in your own way and not, not need me.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Which is not something, at least me me personally,
1: that's not something
0: I've ever experienced in the conventional realm. For me, again, I know this isn't a blanket statement. I'm sure there's conventional practitioners out there who love to educate. Yes. I haven't experienced that. In fact, I have been met with a lot of resistance. And why are you asking too many questions? Yes. So it's or they just don't have the time, which I get it. They're part of a system they don't have a lot of control over. So anyways, I just love that component of it that that you make that a priority. And then you just got me thinking, gosh, we have to do a podcast on your Crohn's and the process of working through that, there's, yes. I have a couple people in my life who are dealing with it. And, oh. um, you know, it's, I think it's sometimes it's so much easier to
1: send over a podcast than it yes. is to try and <laughs> absolutely <laughs> explain it all yourself. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I would love to chat with you about that. It's yeah, it's definitely a big story to unpack and there's a lot of, um, it's very multifaceted, you know, and yeah, I would love to just share, share more on that topic. Yeah. So pivoting
0: to mold a bit, I was telling you before we were we started recording, I don't have any episodes on mold. And one of the reasons I have been hesitant to do a podcast is because I just know it is such an intense, nuanced topic that I want to make sure I get it right. I cover as much as possible, even though I'm sure we could do 10 yes. podcasts on this <laughs> single topic. But we're going to try and hit some of the bigger questions. But just for someone who is like, why is mold a big deal? Maybe this is the first they're hearing about it. I kind of want to start there of why should this even be a concern so that our ears get perked up and we really listen (laughs) to the rest of it?
1: Yeah, so mycotoxins themselves, they are toxic chemicals that are produced by mold. Um, And before we kind of dive into you know my thoughts on this my goal is never to induce fear And I know that that's your goal as well And so I don't want people to hear this and become afraid of mold The goal instead is to really empower you with information and really raise your awareness um, Because knowledge is power so I always like to say that because like you said mold. I mean It really is like going down a rabbit hole. It really is like opening Pandora's box. And I think that's one reason it's so, so important to have the level of support from a practitioner while you're really walking through this. Um, But so these mycotoxins, they're toxic to our health. So they are known to alter the gut microbiome, to uh, disrupt hormone production, damage mitochondria, things like that. When it comes to symptoms, everyone is different. So symptoms can really vary depending on the person, but some common symptoms can include things like chronic fatigue, um, headaches, rashes, sinus issues, anxiety, depression. Um, when I was living in mold, I experienced a level of anxiety that was unlike anything I've, I've ever experienced before. It was very like physical type of anxiety, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, shortness of breath, rapid heartbeat, Uh, hair loss nosebleeds brain fog some people can have like numbness and tingling um, vertigo digestive issues trouble sleeping insomnia is a big one that i see a lot Um, excessive thirst or urination like waking up to urinate multiple times in the night that can be a big red flag Um, and weight changes as well so those are just some of the like more common symptoms um but mycotoxins themselves, they weaken the immune system, which can really lead to secondary infections or the activation of dormant infections in the body, which is one reason why it's such an issue when it comes to health. Um, And that's really an important concept to understand is it's never just one thing that's affecting someone, is in my experience, Um, so it's never just mold. There's typically a combination of things at play that's pushing the immune system out of balance. So that can look like a parasitic infection, Lyme bacteria, even experiencing trauma for example. And so this is why some people exposed to mold may not feel symptoms while some people may feel completely bedridden. Um, the way that we respond to these toxins really has to do with the overall health of our immune system and the terrain of our microbiome. But with that said, mold itself can significantly weaken that immune system, which then kind of opens up the door for all of these other things that may have been lying dormant to kind of be activated, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I love the analogy of If the immune system is an army, we have so many soldiers and if we're living in mold or chronically exposed to mold from whatever source that is chronically on a daily basis using up X number of our army. And so with that, then anything else we might be exposed to, we're going to have less resources available to respond to them. And then I do think that's why it's so often that it does become a little bit of a snowball of Mm -hmm issues on top of issues and that's why it's a little bit of that peeling the onion back yes exactly yeah great analogy there so you said you mentioned living in mold this Mm -hmm. is definitely one of the big sources is a home that maybe has mold in it so what i want to touch on here is how might someone know if their home has mold but then also what are there other sources of mold exposure and yeah. can we talk about those a little bit? But let's start with the home.
1: Sure, so the most common source that everyone associates with mold is definitely in water-damaged buildings, um, like in the home. Um, mycotoxins themselves, can they can stick to things. So things like walls, um, clothes, carpet, dust is a big one. Um, they can line kind of the frames of your windows your laundry machine, even smoke particles. So, places in your home like your bathroom or even your kitchen are really common areas that can contain those mycotoxins. And some things that you can look out for, you know, are, are visible signs like visible signs of water damage, um, peeling in the ceiling or in the walls, kind of that like bubbling up of the paint, things like that. Um, know you definitely can sometimes see visible mold um, mold or mildew there there are different things but it's when you're having mildew that's a sign that there is some you know there's some potential mold growth going on uh, that shouldn't be there so those are some things to look for but also in the home it's difficult because just because we can't see it doesn't mean that it's not there. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, some things to look for are, you know, like lining the windows, anywhere in your home that has extra condensation or that has extra like moisture. Those are some areas that you really want to check, like under your sink, around your shower. Um, One simple way that you can see, it's not like a diagnostic type of way, but one mm-hmm. way that you can get an idea of whether there are mycotoxins in the air, especially in your bathroom, is to actually look at the toilet bowl and see if there is kind of a ring around it that forms a lot that's, that's kind of difficult to remove. That can be a sign that there's mycotoxins in the air mm-hmm. or even in the, um, gosh, I can't think of what it's called, but the, the tank of the toilet itself, uh-huh. if you open it. Um, You can sometimes see some visible signs of mold in there. So those are some areas in the home, but exposure can also happen from foods. So uh, things like gluten and grains, nuts, seeds can commonly have mold, chocolate, um, coffee as well. Coffee is a big one actually, and coffee beans are highly contaminated with mold. So one of the first things that I recommend my clients swap if they have mold toxicity or if they want to prevent it is to switch their coffee to uh, an organic mold-free coffee. Most people drink coffee, <laughs> so that's one uh, good swap to make. Um, my favorite is called King Coffee. Yeah,
0: yeah and I, I wanna I wanna ask here really quick. I just had this come up the other day where I many people have made the switch to organic mm-hmm. coffee. And one of the points I was making is, unfortunately, organic on its own doesn't mean mold free. Correct.
1: Yes. Yeah, so it's important to really pay attention to your sourcing And, you know, do your research and find out how that company actually handles contaminants and what are they doing to keep the coffee beans themselves from being contaminated from things like mold or other type of growths. And so one of my favorite brands is that um, King Coffee by Organo, Uh, not only is it organic, but it's also mold free and contains uh, reishi spores. And reishi is incredibly beneficial for balancing the immune system, reducing inflammation so that that's my favorite swap there but yeah i would say those are those are the main sources of mold Um, water buildings and uh, in your home and in your food as well
0: i'm curious when it comes to the nuts and the seeds have you is this something that you avoid altogether or maybe in treatment phase you're avoiding and then in maintenance you're consuming less and then also have you personally been able to find or do you know of just like right now, there's coffee brands that are testing for mold and can mm-hmm. third-party verify there's no mold. Is there mm-hmm. anything with nuts and seeds? Because I did a mm-hmm. whole search for this. I couldn't find anything.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I haven't specifically look. I haven't done too much research into doing that, trying to find a brand that is like that. Um, one that does come to the top of my head, though, is called TerraSol. Um, I think it's how you say it. And so they are a very transparent company. I have looked into their cocoa products because um, c- cacao can commonly have mold um, toxins in it. So I haven't looked into their nuts and seeds, but they do have a lot of nuts and seeds um, as some of their products. So what I would do is just reach out to some companies and and ask them because you really want to be buying from a company that is transparent and that is going to give you the results, the testing results of their products. Mm -hmm. So I haven't done that myself. Like I said, I, I have done it for the cacao. Um, but when it comes to nuts and seeds, I, you know, it all depends on the person. If they, are really reacting to a variety of foods, which a lot of people do when they are living in mold. If their immune system becomes so compromised that they then develop some histamine issues or some mast cell reactivation, they can become very, um, have a lot of food sensitivities happening So for that reason, we might limit some nuts and seeds and different foods, depending on what they're reacting to. But overall I try to take an approach when it comes to working with clients of bringing more foods into the diet Mm -hmm. versus bringing them out. So it's definitely something that, I want to be aware of and be mindful of if someone's living in mold like we don't want you eating a ton of nuts or seeds but that said there I mean there are really incredible nutrients in there omega's and things like that so it's really very bio individual it depends on the person.
0: Hmm. You're reminding me of a client I had last year who I was doing bioenergetic testing with. Mm-hmm. I know you do this as yes. well, you utilize this and they came to me and were saying, I've had chronic diarrhea for three months now. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's up. We did a bio scan. And all of these molds came up. And Mm. looking into the molds a little bit more, they were all food sources of Mm -hmm. mold commonly found in the nuts and the seeds, I think even the dried fruit. Mm -hmm. And talking with him about it, he was like, I eat nuts all day long. All day long. It's like my go to snack food. And so we said, okay, let's just take a little break. Let's give yeah, the body a rest exactly. from that. Exactly. And he
1: said within two days his stools were hard again. Wow. Yeah. And see that's a really great example of bioindividuality and why it's so important to really look at each individual person that you're working with because, you know, we don't want to say like a blanket statement of like, Oh, okay, let's cut out all nuts and seeds or all grains and things like that. It really depends on the person. Um, and what they're specifically going through. And and yeah, that's a great example of, with this individual, he was having a lot of that food. So that makes Mm -hmm. sense, cutting that out for a little bit. So when it
0: comes to identifying if a person has mold toxicity, what does the testing look like? Is this, you know, because I think about, for example, with parasite testing, Mm -hmm. there's all the conventional tests that can be fairly inaccurate. And then there's the bioenergetic testing, which kind of as of now is really all that exists, but Mm -hmm. what's the situation with mold?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so one of the most common ways to test uh, is with a mycotoxin urine test. Um, It's one of the most common ways, but I don't personally use this type of testing in my practice because mycotoxins aren't always present in the urine. and um, It doesn't mean that they aren't affecting someone. So for example, most of my clients, when they first come to me, they are really struggling with their body's ability to detox. So if your body can't detox, then you probably aren't going to be excreting these mycotoxins in your urine, and that's not going to show up on this mycotoxin test. Um, and so for that reason, I do prefer using bioenergetic testing. Um, which I know you're familiar with. It's a type of testing that's it's very non-invasive, like energetic analysis. Uh, it has the ability to detect stress and measure the body's energetic reaction to various substances, um, pretty similar to muscle testing if listeners are familiar with that, but not only can it tell us if someone is resonating with mold, but it can also give us deeper insight into other toxins as well. So things like bacteria, parasites, metals, chemicals, viruses, and it can tell us how stressed your body's organ systems are, nutritional imbalances, food and environmental sensitivities, hormonal imbalances, and even supplements that your body is resonating with As far as solutions, so it's very comprehensive, really helps us get to the root cause and provides us with solutions as well. Uh, So that's what I like to use in my practice. Another way to test for mold is to test your environment. So uh, the gold standard for that is what's called an ERMI, so E-R-M-I. And this will tell you the types of mycotoxins and the levels that they are in your environment.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a great one to hear about and as you were talking about mold in the home I was thinking mold remediation I mean that could be a whole different topic so I don't think we're gonna (laughs) be able to maybe necessarily go there today but starting with some of those testing options might be a really great place to start so what I want to ask about is what are some common mistakes or no-no's that you're seeing happen either with clients from them kind of telling you what they've done so far or on social media. Now we see (laughs) what everyone's doing with everything. What are some, like, yeah, what are just some mistakes or no-nos that you're seeing? And then we'll get into what is your approach to
1: working with mold? So the number one mistake that I see is not opening up drainage pathways before moving into detox. So for those who are unfamiliar with drainage pathways, these are the systems that allow our bodies to detoxify on their own. It's how the body removes waste, toxins, and pathogens. And if those drainage pathways aren't working optimally, then that means your body is not efficiently removing toxins. So what's happening instead is that those toxins are then being recirculated and reabsorbed in the body since they aren't able to exit and this then adds to your body's overall toxic load or toxic burden. So when talking about toxins, one of the analogies I like to use with my clients is the analogy of a bucket. So everyone has a toxicity bucket and the rate at which it fills up depends on your exposure to toxins and the rate at which it you know, goes down is, depends on your body's ability to eliminate them. So if your body's not able to eliminate these toxins, then that bucket is gonna begin to overflow. And this is what when we can experience chronic symptoms, dysfunction, and disease. So this is why it's so important to really support drainage pathways, ensure they're open and functioning optimally so that the body can remove these toxins. It's incredibly, incredibly important to have these pathways open before you jump into any detox protocol, because if they aren't open and you start killing things, like if you start going after mold, you're going to have a whole host of detox reactions and just feel awful. So that is one really big one. The second mistake I see made is not following the proper order of detox. So, a lot of my clients come to me having already tried a lot of things, or they've worked with other practitioners who just targeted mold right away. But remember, it's not just about mold. And so, when we start following the proper order for detox, when we get them opening up those pathways and then moving into this proper order, that's when we start to really see improvements.
0: Mm. Talking about the drainage pathways a little bit, just real quick, what are some signs that someone could tune into that maybe suggest their drainage pathways are not functioning optimally?
1: Yeah, so um, it can look like things like maybe you're constipated. um, If you are not pooping, ideally one to three times a day, that is a big one. Um, If you're unable to sweat if you are having just chronic fatigue, lots of like joint pain, muscle pain, just kind of pain throughout the body. Um, Brain fog is another big one, Um, things like that.
0: Mm -hmm. And then getting into kind of order of operations here. So let's dive into this a little bit more. And this is probably just leading us into the very next thing, which is what is your... I don't want to say protocol because I know Mm -hmm. it's not a blanket. I know it's so bio-individual. But what are just some of the general categories you're wanting to hit and maybe where you're starting?
1: So first, I always start with helping my clients really support the foundations of the body, the foundations of health. So basic level things like transitioning them to a nutrient-dense diet, really balancing their blood sugar and their mineral status, ensuring they're well hydrated, things like that. Um, And we always start with nervous system support as well. This is a big one. So when you are exposed to mold, it can just wreak havoc on your nervous system, both from physical symptoms, but also mentally and emotionally. It can be very traumatic to find out that your health is being impacted by something like mold and can really create a lot of fear. So really calming the nervous system is a very important step to healing because the body cannot heal from a place of fear. Um, it can't heal when it doesn't feel safe. And so we bring in lots of nervous system supports and we really start to work on shifting beliefs when it comes to healing. So you can heal and your body is always working for you and it was made to heal. So. That's kind of really where I initially start with clients I feel like that is very important um, foundation. Mm-hmm. And then identifying the mold exposure itself is also really important. Um, you will not be able to fully heal in an environment that made you sick. However, I always want to meet my clients where they're at. So I will encourage them to you know, identify the source of exposure and remove themselves from that. Um, from that exposure, whether that is remediation or whether that is completely removing themselves and moving into a new environment. But I also understand that they may not immediately be able to do that. It can be very costly and really is a big task in itself. And so if you are in a place where your health is just very fragile, you may not be ready to do that at that time and that's okay. So. It's important, but I always want to meet people where they're at and really support them through this whole process. Um, Those are the foundational level things first, and then next we get to work with really opening up those drainage pathways, so making sure that they're pooping daily, ideally one to three times a day, supporting the liver, getting the bile moving and flowing so that we can transport those toxins and digest our food. Stimulating the lymphatic system, supporting mitochondria, all of these things are preparing the body to then move into detox. So, once we have all of that prerequisite work under our belt, then we can really move into then peeling the layers of detox back. So, we first start with parasite cleansing. Parasites themselves hold on to their weight in toxins, which I know can be kind of gross or even like taboo to think about, but they do. They really hold on to things like molds, metals, bacteria, and this is why we want to address them first. If you jump into detoxing mold right away, then you're missing that critical piece, which is really removing parasites and, and helping to kind of balance the body's immune system a little bit in order to, to start tackling mold, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, after parasite cleansing, then we move into mold. And metals. I work on these simultaneously because I always say that they're like besties. They're very attracted to each other. So this is the layer where we also will work on candida as well because that's a type of fungus like mold. So typically this phase looks like really continuing to keep those drainage pathways open continuing to support the nervous system using high quality binders to bind those mycotoxins and metals and help draw them out of the body Uh, making sure that you're sweating daily hot baths are a great way to do that or sauna depending on the person and then once we have done mold detox, we can then move into deeper layers, like addressing lime or viral load. It really just depends on the individual person.
0: Mm. So much good stuff here I want to <laughs> highlight. First, I think what is so important to highlight about this is in order for it to be sustainable and not get into that yo-yo thing. Yes it actually is a little bit of a slow buildup. Yes, absolutely. In terms of almost like this wave of, we're we're doing some slow, really gentle things to Mm -hmm. build up our body to support it first. Then we might go a little bit harder with the detoxing. And then once we're through that key phase, maybe it comes down into more maintenance mode. But I do think so many people, and I get it when you've been sick for so long, you want to feel good as fast as possible. But when we jump into the detox phase too quickly, yes. you, you're you exacerbating the problem.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I see this often with clients who come to me and, and I get it because I've been through it myself too. And like you said, you, you do want to move forward and you just want to feel better. And so even if someone is like, yes, let's do this. I'm ready. Like, let's go full throttle. Like, it's my job to really kind of help them pump the brakes a little bit and guide them along so that... You know, we're able to see what their body is able to handle and tolerate because, especially when you are exposed to mold, your body really is not functioning at an optimal level. And kind of talking about mitochondria, like we were a little bit earlier, like. That's really important. If your mitochondria are just struggling and they are tapped out, then you're not going to be able to efficiently detox. So these things are all really important, and very important to meet someone where they're at and and really walk along um, slowly. I think slow and steady wins the race. To be honest, totally. Because the other thing, which I'm sure I hear, I'm sure you
0: often hear too, is they're gung ho for about a month and then fall off for a couple months and then are gung ho again. And so that slow and steady not only allows for the real getting to the root of the issue and actually eradicating it, but it also is what is more sustainable. Even if you can't jump in with everything right away, just being able to go, look, if this is all you can manage right now, but you can manage this consistently, Mm -hmm. let's start there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Consistency is key.
0: So one of the other things I want to highlight, because this is something I'm learning so much about right now, is the nervous system. Mm -hmm. I'm doing a whole somatic stress release Ah, program, which has been amazing. Awesome. And just, you know, learning about not only how trauma disrupts our nervous system, but also there's very physiological things Mm -hmm. that can disrupt our nervous system too but can you just talk a little bit about this i know it's a topic all on its own and what are some of the tools you utilize to give that nervous system a little bit of support
1: sure so yes the nervous system is so so important um you know like i said earlier if if we are in a place where our body does not feel safe, then we really aren't able to heal. And that's really the nervous system's main role, is it's it's trying to help us stay safe. And so very, very important to really support uh, that system and, you know, trauma really comes into play when it comes to the nervous system. And so doing a lot of work to help to identify what some of those traumas are that you may have experienced and how they are affecting your health is really one big place to start. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with mind-body-spirit release, MBSR, um, but that's something that, it's not something that I practice, but I recommend that a lot of my clients um, start working with an MBSR practitioner in tandem while we are working through these root cause protocols at the physical level, because it's very supportive for the nervous system. It's essentially a way to kind of tap into the subconscious and help to see maybe like limiting beliefs that someone may be holding on to, negative type of emotional blocks and replace those with more positive types of emotions and can be very, very healing. Um the other thing that is really helpful is really limbic system retraining. So there's a variety of different programs that focus on this. One of my favorite ones is called Primal Trust. Mm. And so I do have some clients who are going through that program right now, and it's really, really helping them. But kind of just backtracking something that I wanted to add just about the nervous system and how you can really tell if it's dysregulated, especially if you are living in mold or experiencing a high toxic load. A lot of my clients who come to me are very sensitive to foods, to supplements, things like that, and that's one way that you can actually tell that that may be your nervous system needing some love. It's not always necessarily that it's the supplements or the food that you're taking, it can be more of that you are just stuck in this chronic state of fight or flight. And so what really, whatever you are putting into your body it's just not having it because Mm -hmm. you're just in this chronic state of fight or flight. And so, that's really what this nervous system work does is help to bring the body into a more parasympathetic, more rest and digest state so that you are less reactive to these things and can then slowly start to move forward on these protocols.
0: Hmm.
1: It's so good. And that's, this is exactly what I do with the EVOX
0: therapy, which Mm -hmm. I don't know that we've talked too much about personally, you and I, Um, and it's so profound to see, because the Evox is the biofeedback and how much that can soothe the nervous system and regulate it. Just even what I'm learning about the nervous system is when the nervous system is frazzled, there's, there's parts of our brain that aren't working the same. There's parts of literally like the inner workings of our ear that turn off. So we don't hear as well. It affects everything. There's parts of our sight that don't work as well because we're in a certain state. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't digest things as well. And so when we're in that chronically, yes, it, it's just another piece of that puzzle that definitely needs to be
1: addressed. Yeah. And you know, there's lots of ways to do that. Some of the ones I already mentioned, but even things that are really free that anyone can really implement on their own, doing things like journaling, practicing gratitude is actually very nourishing to the nervous system, um, breath work, deep breathing meditation. There's lots of free resources for that. I love Insight Timer, the app. That's really my favorite. I do that every morning for meditation. And so these are some great ways that you can kind of start to just slow down a little bit and like tap in and get more into your intuition. And that's another piece that I feel like becomes very dysregulated in a healing journey is really like losing sight of your own intuition. And so... That's very important. That's one of my biggest goals in helping my clients is helping them really get back to themselves and their their own intuition and what your body really needs versus just being in this very upregulated state of like, well, what do I need to do? Well, why is this happening? What's going on? And so trying different tactics to kind of like calm all of that down.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love that. Can we talk a little bit more about, you said something so key here, which is you don't once we've done all the buildup work, the supporting, the opening of the drainage pathways, you don't even then still go straight into the mold detox. You start Mm -hmm. with the parasites. And I just want to highlight this even more of what could happen if we try and just treat the mold sort of isolated Mm
1: -hmm.
0: versus looking at something like parasites first.
1: Right. So if we try to treat it isolated, I mean, it really depends on the person, right? Like if someone, to, to this day, I, I haven't really gone after mold immediately for someone. Now, if they were having significant mold symptoms, we might start to do a little bit of specific mold detox. However, when we're really working on parasites, we're going to be having you on a high quality binder at that point as well. And so that is going to be starting to bind like some mycotoxins there. So I just wanted to kind of add that in, but really it's, it's you, if you go after mold first, you can really just be spinning your wheels. And that is then when you get into this phase of like, you might feel a little bit better at first, you probably will because you'll be pulling out those mycotoxins detoxing those right. But you're just gonna come right back to where you were because you didn't end up addressing parasites. And so kind of going back to like, it's never just one thing. We need to really help the body reduce its overall toxic load to really rebuild the body's terrain so that that immune system can function properly. Like you can kind of think of it as a scale, how the immune system should be balanced. And so if we've got parasites going on, if we have these other types of toxins, chemical overload, things like that, your immune system is really going to be struggling. And so, yes, you can move into mold detox, but ultimately, you're going to be taking a longer time to really get to where you want to go ultimately at the end of the day, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. And is it because if we try and detox mold without addressing parasites, is what's happening that we're detoxing the mold that's not being held within the parasites and so that mold is still there or also that they're just going to attract that mold so quickly if we're consuming it from food or the environment
1: yeah it's a great question so it's really a little bit of both right so if we aren't tackling the parasites then then yeah we're not really getting we're not getting the mold that's being held by them and so for example like if we started going after mold a good example or a good analogy that I like to use is kind of like when it comes to cleaning, right? Cleaning your home. And so we wouldn't vacuum before we dust. We would want to dust first, like kick all the dust onto the ground and then vacuum it up. And so that's kind of a good way to visually understand why it's important to go after these parasites first. because we wouldn't want to do this mold detox, then go after parasites. Now they're releasing metals and molds into the system. And then we're having to kind of go in and do it again, where mm-hmm. it's too much. It's it's not necessarily a cleanup. It would be too much and kind of having to go through and do all of that all over again. And then the other piece, like you said, is that, you know, with parasites, it's like, well, why are these things really able to thrive in the first place? And so, you know, these parasites are kind of thriving off of this mold and mold is vice versa. So I always kind of tackle the parasites first, especially because they're just such a like, kind of the biggest critter (laughs) in the gut when it comes to um, size and when it comes to just issues that they can pose in the body. And that's one way also to really just start getting people to start feeling a lot better because parasites really do contribute significantly to a lot of chronic symptoms, and really that's the goal. It's like, yes, we obviously want to help your body detox mold, right? We know that you have these mycotoxins going on and they're in your system and affecting your body, but we also really want to just start to bring things into balance, bring that immune system into balance and relieve some of these chronic symptoms, bring down that toxic load a little bit so that then we'll be more ready and more set up to once we're ready to tackle metals and mold.
0: Mm-hmm. Even as a practitioner myself, I feel almost guilty about asking this question because I know it's so bio-individual. But in general, what are some of the time frames you're seeing when it comes to really working with mold and the, this whole process, this process of building up the support for the body, the parasites, and then getting to the mold? How, like maybe maybe a better way to ask that is how often or how long are clients mm-hmm. working with you in like a really consistent manner.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So, I feel like for most people really starting to work on those foundational level things can take just at least I would say a good 3 months or so to really work on those foundations of health, get your nervous system in a more regulated place and then start moving into opening up those drainage pathways that can look like taking about three months or so. Um, From there, getting those pathways open, I typically will spend about 30 to 45 days, sometimes 60, really just focused on that, on getting those pathways open and supported. Really depends on someone's toxic load and just how their body is functioning at that time. Then moving into parasites, this really depends. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would say ideally, I typically spend at least two, probably two to four months focusing solely on parasite cleansing. Some people that can take a lot longer. If they are just kind of continuously still passing parasites and doing really well, then we'll keep them on that before we start to move forward into metals and mold. Um, and once working on those areas, more deeper level things, it definitely can take some time. So. Yeah, I feel like it is a hard <laughs> question to answer, yeah. which is probably why I'm stumbling around on it. But it really just depends, and there is a saying um, that goes that you know, for every one year that someone has felt unwell, it can take a month or more to really start to heal. And so that's just something that you can think about when it comes to thinking about your healing journey. If you're listening to this, and it really is not a race, like we said earlier, and Of course, we know that it can feel that way, but I think allowing yourself enough time and really not setting expectations on yourself is really, really important. And it's going to help you just start to move through this um, at a better place and in a more regulated space, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Something I always think about is even
0: if the healing journey takes two years or three years, you when you do it the correct way and you really get to the root of it then you have who knows how many years of health ahead of you and when you look at it from that perspective it's like it's kind of a no-brainer you're like Mm -hmm. you know three years of really paying attention to this and going about it as best i can will, in exchange for maybe 50 years of yeah feeling good exactly
1: yeah and i think another point just to touch on with that is you know I think when we talk about healing, I think it is easy to kind of think of a timeline, but really, I like to think of healing as more of it's you know it's an it's an action, it's a verb, it's it's a doing, and so it's really a state of being. I think, um, and it's not something that's necessarily just like. Oh, okay, I'm on this healing journey and it's, you know, it's going to take me 2 years. It's 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 really kind of changing your your lifestyle when you're really making this type of change and shifting your way of thinking and how you think about healing and seeing that, you know, it's not something that you necessarily need to just like get through and then and then on to the next and then you're good. <laughs> it's like it's a very continuous type of journey. And that doesn't I don't say that to mean that you will not feel well throughout that entire journey. I mean it's just very continuous and kind of a, a state of being and a a way of living, like I said. Just we inherently
0: as living beings need regular maintenance. Yes. And definitely once you get through when you're really working with a serious issue parasites mold lime whatever it is there's definitely a place where you can get where you're past that and Absolutely. you feel you know the majority of your days you feel mm-hmm. good and great yes. hopefully yes but if you want to continue feeling good and great of course yes things need to be maintained. There's a new, as you said, there's a new state of being mm-hmm. that we enter into. I, I love the example of like an Olympic athlete. You know, they they don't train hard once and win one gold medal and right. stop training. We, There's maintenance that needs to happen. And so exactly when we can shift the mindset a little bit from when is the end date to this mm-hmm. versus yeah. maybe when, I'm looking forward to when I can shift from treatment phase maybe to yes. more maintenance
1: phase. Yeah, that's a great way to
0: put it. But also I think, especially once you're feeling so much better, the things you do for maintenance end up being so lovely and enjoyable yes. anyways. <laughs> and, and also as you've made the changes slowly, it doesn't have to happen all at once. You don't, right. you know, you don't need to get the air filter and the clean mattress and the sauna, blah blah mm-hmm. blah, all next month. It happens slowly and slowly. And for me, it just has become so much more about. As I learn new things about health, I'll try and implement them. Right. And then also, you know, when I do, maybe eat something that I wouldn't normally eat. It's not about never straying. Right. From the path for me, it's more about like when I do stray, first of all, the straying isn't as intense as maybe it was 10 years ago. (laughs) And I'm going to support myself to get back to where I want to be as as quickly as possible. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And I think that's where this piece of really teaching people how to heal and that they are their own best healers, like it's just so invaluable and so important because you know, you are going to get out of this kind of treatment phase, like you said, and and move into this more maintenance phase. And you want to be able to continue that maintenance and continue supporting your body, especially with the toxins that we're exposed to in this world. Like it's not about fear, like we said earlier, it's about really just being aware and like supporting your body as best as you can. So that's really a good way to look at it is, you know, yes, you're going through this and it's really difficult, but try to think on the other side and at all the new tools that you're going to have and all of the things that you're going to learn and all the ways that you're going to really strengthen your life and just bring new meaning into it really.
0: Yeah yeah oh it's so good. <laughs> so a fun question that I have just enjoyed asking particularly in these health related interviews is some of your favorite tools, biohacking ideas even supplements, particularly when it comes to mold. And the supplements I'm careful with because I know this is so bio-individual. So if you're like, uh, there, there's nothing I want to share there, yeah. I get it. I totally get it. But I do always love to hear, like, what are some of those little extra things that you bring in that are pretty, in general, pretty good for
1: everyone? Great yeah. question. So some tools that I like to utilize are things like when it comes to mold, um, propolis nasal spray is actually really helpful. Um, Propolis is amazing for tackling mold. You can also um, purchase propolis like diffusers and diffuse it in your home as well, which is pretty cool. Um, Saline sinus rinses are another great thing that can be helpful if your sinuses are really impacted due to mold. You can even add some binders in there with the guidance from your practitioner, but that's kind of a hack that you can do too just to get if there's mold that's inside up inside your sinus cavities. Um, air purifiers are really amazing for reducing mold spores in the air, um, opening your windows frequently. That's like a freebie, but that's something you can do just to get airflow in your home. Um, I love the micro-balanced EC3 products. I don't know if you're familiar with those. No, is that a supplement brand? No, it's or, they have like a spray cleaning spray, and um, okay. they have this laundry additive, and they kill mold spores. So it's a really great way to help like prevent mold in your home. You can clean with them. Um, you can use it in your laundry machine to kind of keep your laundry machine clean as well. Um, other things I love, I've been very into my red light lately. Um, I have a red light from Therasage. Um, I don't have a sauna yet, but I have one of their red light panels and love that. Um, It's very like calming I think and really helps reduce inflammation in the body too. Um, What else? A lot of like lymphatic types of supports are really helpful for the nervous system. And this is kind of a good way to just give yourself some self love too. And like things like dry brushing, gua sha is really great. Um, using a vibration plate is another one that's like a really great way to stimulate the lymphatic system or a mini trampoline. I have one behind me in my office. <laughs> so I, have I jump both. on there, uh, yeah. Oh, they're my favorite. <laughs> they're they're my awesome. Favorite. And it, it's easy to like use those and kind of stack your biohacks. Like you can be on there and kind of be doing something else at the same time. So, um, yeah, those are some of the tools that I like when it comes to mold and the nervous system supports. Um, like we mentioned earlier, and of course, you know, working with a practitioner, I highly, highly recommend while moving through a mold journey. But yeah, those are some of my favorites.
0: So fun. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much. This was wonderful, better than I could have hoped. Uh, I know, like we said in the beginning, we could just go on and on with this topic, yes. but I think it's such a good foundational starting point. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.